With that being said, let's go ahead and pray right now for, for our state. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you, Lord. And Father, we just want to lift up all these representatives, Father. Um, even going all the way to the present, all the way down to, to here, local in New Mexico, Father. We just pray and just ask that you would just be with those individuals, Lord, those that do not know you, that you would reveal yourself to them, Lord, that you would draw them near to you, that they would come to uh, a saving of salvation, Lord. Father, and those that do know you, help them to continue to grow strong and represent the people of New Mexico. Lord, I, I pray and just ask that you would continue to use them there in those positions, Lord. Same with them, that they would not lose heart uh, for some of the stuff that's taking place. Lord, we, we ask that you would just be with our state, Father, that you would just do um, as you see fit, Lord, with us, that you would make the changes, Father, and help us, Father, as as believers, to step out and get involved, as Ted has said, just to go out, make our voice be heard. Lord, that's what you call us to do, and I, I pray and just ask that you would be with us this morning, Lord, as we study your word. Father, that you would just bless the time that we would be able to look to you, Father, for our strength, that you would just move in a mighty way in our hearts this morning. Bless this time in your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We got up to verse 10 last week, and we were talking about Paul gives his credentials at the beginning and who he is and what he's doing in the Lord, just the work that God has called him to. We see that one of the traits that, that he had was to encourage people, encourage people. That's one of the things that he did. Last week we seen, and, and this was, as I told you guys last week, we this is something to imitate for sure. We look at his, his life, and he had been through a lot. I mean, we're talking about an individual whose wisdom knowledge is huge, and he's in there, you know, with those who, who maybe don't have the same level of, of knowledge as him, but that doesn't matter. And as I told you guys last week, one of the things that he does is he looks at these individuals, whether they've been serving the Lord for a long time or a short amount of time whether they have a great knowledge of God or a small knowledge of God. And one of the things that he can do is he is encouraging. He's encouraging. One of the things he says, I thank the Lord for you. Always look for the positive in someone's life in some way that he could thank God for them. As I told you guys last week, if we can't say nothing encouraging about another brother or sister here in the body of Christ, I don't, whether you know them, for a long time, when you just know them, hey, I, I just know them because they sit there. If we can't say something encouraging about them, we need to check our heart. Something's up with us, okay? Because this is something that he did. He can look and say, you know what? Even though you may not be on fire for the Lord, I thank God because you know what? He saved you and he's called you to be his son or daughter, right? I mean, he's looking for the positive. And, and so one of the things, as we got a little further in, we've seen that he was talking about the gifts that they were given. And uh, it's the same in the body of Christ. God uses us all. He's, all. he's blessed us all with different gifts. Like I said, there's some out there right now, they got the gift of, of service. So what are they doing? They're patrolling the parking lot. There's someone here greeting as we come in. Uh, we see once a month that we have communion there for us, but who puts everything together on those trays? Some of us know, some of us don't know. We just come in, it's already done, it's there. Praise God for them, right? Because they do it 
they do it with a joyful heart. So it doesn't matter the, the gift. I closed last week with Living Proof of Grace, a rap group, LPG, and one of the things they said was there's different tools for different jobs, right? Different tools for different jobs. Unity is not uniformed. It's not going to look the same every single time like a robot. You understand? It's not going to look like that. One person's going to have a gift of teaching. One's going to have the gift of healing. One's going to have a gift of tongues. One's going to have a gift of service. It's all important in the body of Christ. Every single one of it. Not one more important than the other. It all works together. And the thing about these gifts, God's blessed us all with these gifts for one reason and one reason only, and that's to build up and edify the body of Christ. That's what it's for. It's not to brag and boast, oh, I have three, four, or five gifts. Hey, praise God. You only have one, they have five. It doesn't matter. It should all be used for the same thing, and that's to encourage and build up the body together. That's what it's there for. And so we keep our eyes on the Lord. As, same thing as we talked about last week. If there's going to be any boasting, it should be boasting on Him who's given us all. Right? It's Him. So we're going to pick it up in verse 11 this week. It says, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Chloe, we don't have a whole lot of detail about this lady, Chloe. Probably a Christian woman, we don't know for sure, but she did have family members who traveled from Ephesus to Corinth. They would go back and forth. And in this going back and forth, they had met up with Paul. And Paul writes this letter from Ephesus to the people from Chloe's household who had visited and shared with him what was going on. And so now he brings correction here. These arguments had to be dealt with concerning the Corinthian church and where their hearts were and what was taking place. Paul wrote this reprimanding letter to them. Verse 12, Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul wondered whether the Corinthians' quarrels had divided Christ. What's, what's going on here amongst you guys? This is a graphic picture of what happens when the church, the body of Christ, is divided. When there's fighting, when there's arguments taking place. With so many churches and styles of worship available today, and believe me, family, you can get any type of worship service you want. Any type you want now. You, we see it. I mean, Pastor Gary's talked about this before, but they now have, I mean, they've had this for some time, but satanic Bible. LGBTQ-friendly Bible. Any Bible you could think of, they have it out there. And it's the same with worship services now. I'm not going to mention the church by name. I could, and I mean, what, but that's not really important. But there is a church here in Albuquerque. They have <laughs> beer and Bible study. Beer and Bible study. Come to church, bring your beer, or we'll meet at a, at a bar, bring your Bible, and let's have Bible study. Yeah! <laughs> that's, that's what they have going on now. Like I said, you can get anything now. 
The church has changed so much. They'll give you any variety you want. It's sad what's going on today. We've talked about this before here in this church. How much longer is God going to tolerate this? How much longer is he going to tolerate this? So many churches available today, so many styles of worship today, believers can get caught up in the same, in the same type of game. Hey, my preacher is better than your preacher. <laughs> is that what it's really about? I thought the overall goal was winning souls. I thought the goal was that no one should perish and be separated from him for eternity. That's what the goal should be. But what, what happens? We get caught up with this. Our preacher is better than yours. Or we follow this, this pastor because they're a great speaker. That's cool. Uh, I've heard Pancho Juarez. I know he's retired now from the ministry, but talk about a heavy accent from that guy. And sometimes you would hear certain things, but you know what? God used them. Same with Raul Reese. God uses them. It doesn't matter if they could pronounce a word that you think should be said this way or that way. God's using them to, to preach the gospel. They follow personalities, even change churches based on who's popular. To act this way is to divide Christ again. But Christ isn't divided. And his true followers should not allow anything to divide the church or divide fellowship with another brother and sister in Christ just because of that. What's our common goal? What's our common ground? Christ crucified. Don't let your appreciation for any teacher, preacher, or writer lead you to intellectual pride. I've seen people do that as well. My pastor about all this stuff and talk all this. And that's great. You love your pastor. I love my pastor. You love your pastor. Doesn't mean that mine's right, yours is wrong. This is just where God's called us. So this is where we're at. doesn't mean that that church on the other side of town isn't doing the work of the Lord. There's really good churches out there, family. Even churches that don't have the name Calvary on them. Don't get caught up with that. You understand? Don't get caught up with that. I mean, yes, we praise the Lord you're here this morning. This is where, but right before Pastor Chuck Smith passed away, some things were already in the works. And after he passed away, now you have a split amongst Calvary chapels. And some have even changed their names because they don't want nothing to do with that no more. Back in the day, Calvary Chapel, you heard that name, you knew, guess what? Good biblical teaching going on there. Book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. There's some Calvaries now that ain't even doing that. So just because it has the name Calvary on it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, that's a great church. I'm glad that, you know, we are a Calvary Chapel. One of the things that God's put on Pastor Gary's heart is continue the legacy of Pastor Chuck Smith, what he started, doing that type of teaching. And you know what? People will come as, as God sees fit. So that's what we're going to keep doing. Calvary Chapel East, that name's going to remain. We're, we're not going to change. We're not going to go with the trends. Like I said, there's a lot of trends out there. 
even so much so to where you see Santa Claus in, in church now. Come, come Christmas time, come to church and take a picture with Santa. What is the church turned into? Seriously. I can go so much on. I mean, I'm, I'm stopping myself because there's so much to say here. You know, going into a marketplace and all this stuff with other churches and what they want to do. and It's just not biblical. It's not what God called us to do. Be careful, family. Our allegiance must be to Christ and the unity that he desires. Okay? Uh, I've seen, like I said, over the years people do this where they're comparing churches or how much they're getting taught because of their pastor. That's praise the Lord. Okay, that's all I'll say is praise God for that. It's, it's sad, though, where when you look at it and where people go with it. I've also have seen individuals where when it comes to this gift of the, of, of the Holy Spirit, the gifts that he's given us, where, hey, fill this out and let's see what spiritual gift you have. Fill out a piece of paper and that's going to tell you what spiritual gift you have? You see what man's wisdom does? <laughs> we're, we're so much smarter now, right, compared to back then. There's a lot of things you look at, and I've I got to tell you, in this city, I'm like, that makes no sense at all. But we've evolved, and we have all this knowledge, and look what we can do, and Wow. <laughs> all of our modern day uh, materials that we have now we build buildings and houses that can't even withstand compared to like what they built back then some of those things are still standing go overseas Europe, some of those buildings look at their roads <laughs> roads in New Mexico they don't even last that long potholes everywhere crazy verse 13 as christ divided was paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of paul paul asked three questions to point out how foolish this was of them to act like this is christ divided no he's not divided was paul crucified for you no he wasn't crucified for you. Were the believers baptized in the name of Paul or even Peter or Apollos? Again, the answer is no. They were baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, the one that had been crucified for them. This whole idea of cliques was wrong. Paul did not exempt those who desired to follow him, nor did he point out any flaws in Peter's teaching or Apollos or Cephas, anything like that. He didn't say anything negative about them and what they were doing. They were all called to do the same thing, and that was what? To teach the gospel. Yes, their demeanor, their delivery is going to be different because different personalities. Same with us in this room. You look around. All of us, we love the Lord. Some of us, though, when we talk, you're a little bit more excited than others, right? Not everyone has Pastor Dave's outside voice. 
They don't have that voice. But God uses that voice. Because you should see him here in the school with these kids. He's loud. He's telling them about God's love and he's sharing it and he's big about it. I always tell people, in the building, where, where's, they say, where's Dave? I said, just be quiet. Watch. You could hear. You could hear where he's at just by his voice because it projects. It's loud. God uses that. The delivery is going to be different, but the gospel message, of course, is the same. Like I said, God's using each and every one of you, different workplaces where you're at. Some of us, we can be vocal about it. Others, you're preaching through your actions. Quiet as can be. I've seen some strong people teaching God's gospel just by being very quiet and serving. It's preached very loud and clear. Like I said, the delivery is going to be different. This had caused the clicks, and, and Paul refused to go along with any of it. Such divisions had to be stopped. Verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone uh, should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. The rise of these parties in Corinth made Paul thankful he'd only baptized a few here. He didn't want to be accused of doing anything out of his flesh. Oh, you were just trying to bring people to you. It was all about you. No, it's Jesus Christ crucified. That's why he says here, I thank God that I only baptized these two individuals, Crispus, Gaius, and you know what? Actually, also maybe the household of Stephanus. Maybe them as well. I could remember. Other than that, no. There's other people in the church that are there to do that. He was called to preach the gospel. And so that's what he did. I'm sure there's other leaders, there's other people in leadership, other people available, and they were baptizing the people. He's preaching, they're taking care of it. It's the same here in the church. We have Pastor Gary, but he's not doing everything. Because no one person can do it all. They shouldn't try to do it all. You, you, you pass out. Other people are blessed with gifts. Let them use those gifts. you got to delegate. It's time to move, move on. This not, oh yeah, well that person, they don't do it like, like this person. Well, they're not supposed to. No, he didn't. It's hard. Uh, I struggled with that. When, when Pastor Gary and Pastor Randy had come up to me and they said, hey, we want you to, to take over youth group. I'm like, okay. Um, first of all, once again, speaking in front of people, this was hard for me back then. I'm not saying it's easier now, but I know God's blessed me and helped me. But I took over a youth group. Pastor Randy had that bad boy up to 35 kids in there doing well. You know that six months after me and my wife took over, you know what happened to the group? Down to four. Four. From 35 to four. I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm going to get fired, and I didn't even get hired for this. This is voluntary. This is voluntary. They're going to see this and say, dude, you're done. You killed the ministry. 
And, and that's what was on my mind, and I'm freaking out, like, how does it go from 35 to 4? But I'll tell you what, those four wanted to be there, and they wanted to hear about God. And I'm praying, Lord, what do I do? How did Randy do this, or how would he have done this? And God says, look, if I, if, if I wanted you to do it like Randy, I would have left Randy there. But Randy was called to move on. Now it's time for you to go in there. But Lord, I killed the ministry. No. What were, what were those teens going to youth group for? Were they going because of me? Were they going because of friends? Were they going there just for a social time? We're building your foundation for the group. We had to take it down. We're going to rebuild. And rebuilding did happen. And through time, God grew the group. Not because of anything great I did or my wife did. No, that's what God wanted to do. Okay, Lord. And we got close with those kids and we grew and it got back up in numbers somewhere in the 20s and then God cut it down again. Lord, I don't understand what's taking place. Oh, we got to grow you. We have to grow you. Okay, that's why it's called growing pains. Right? And me and her still have a relationship with some of those kids to this day where they, they've called or they've talked with us, and it's, it's been awesome. Praise the Lord. Faithful doing that for 17, 18 years we did that for. And then it was time we stepped down, and now pass it on. Now Blaine's doing that, okay? Yeah. And same thing. There's growing pains. God's showing him some things with the little group. But it's for a reason, it's for a purpose. Paul says, I didn't do any of this so that no one can accuse me of being conceited or stuck on myself. It's all about him. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. He explained that Christ did not send him primarily to baptize, but to preach the gospel. It didn't mean that he wasn't okay with baptism. No, no, no. He was, he was fine with baptism. We see that he even baptized some individuals himself. And like I said, perhaps it was left to some of the, the local leaders there to, to do the baptizing. Paul's the same for me. God called me to go and preach. Preach the gospel. That's what I was to do. You don't need to be a, a great speaker with a large vocabulary to share the gospel effectively. You don't need that. Okay? God will use you just as you are. I see God use my grandmother, uh, a lady who only had maybe sixth, seventh grade education, married at 14 years old, first kid at 16. <laughs> four kids before she's 25 yeah the marriage didn't last long but you know even someone like that I look at 
I don't care what your education background is. You're, oh, it's only up to sixth grade, seventh grade. I see the way God's used my grandmother. Powerful. Can speak to people, share with them. So it doesn't matter what your background or what your history is. It doesn't matter if you, I mean, I don't know every scripture in God's word. And there's times people come up to me, kids, and say, what about this and that? And I'm like, you know what? I, let me get back to you because I don't know it all. I don't. Let me get back to you and, and let me check on that. Why? Because the power is in the story, Christ crucified for us. It's not in the storyteller. It's in the story within itself, and we're going to hear about that wonderful story here soon for Resurrection. Resurrection Sunday, when Pastor Gary shares that. Like I told you guys before, we serve a God who is not dead. He's alive. He's risen. That's what it's about. Paul was not against those who carefully prepared what they said, but he was against those trying to impress others with their own knowledge or speaking ability. What are you doing this for? I invited, like I said, it's not about me. In this school here, God's brought all kinds of people to work at this school to teach, to minister God's love to these kids. And just because I've done youth group for a long time and just because I was involved in this and that, it's not about me. It's about him. So I'm not going to be up there every week. I'll invite different pastors from different churches. Speak to these kids. I'm not going to hold them all to myself. No, they're mine. I'm the only one that can minister to them. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. But I'll never forget inviting a youth pastor from a different church to come, and I invited him twice. Once again, I'm not going to say the name, but I invited him twice, and the two times I invited this individual, he showed up late both times, younger individual. And when he showed up, I'm like down here stressing out. Chapel's about to start two minutes. Where's this guy at? Am I going to have to go up there and speak? What's taking place? The guy shows up, parks, casually gets out, goes to the back uh, door, opens it up, pulls out his hoodie, gets his hat, gets his glasses, all this stuff. And it's like if he was putting on a uniform before he goes to preach. You trying to impress these kids? trying to dress like them, trying to talk like them? Are you trying to impress them or are you here to preach God's word? What is it? <laughs> to me, it just when I seen that twice, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. Don't play with these kids' emotions. Okay? Don't, don't play with their feelings. Just let them know about Jesus Christ, Christ crucified, and he loves them regardless of what their background is or what trouble they've gotten into. God still loves them. That's what they need to hear. That he will always be there. No matter what mistakes you've made, he's always there. He's willing to forgive you. Are you willing, though, to set yourself aside for him and him alone? When, when I, like I said, when I seen that, it just, huh, dude, are you trying to impress them? 
That's not what they, they don't need uh, another friend. They need someone that's going to tell them the truth in love, God's love. Like I said, it, it was just, ooh. We need to make Jesus Christ the center of our preaching rather than trying to impress people. Make Jesus Christ the center of your preaching. He'll take care of the rest. And like I said, it doesn't matter what you look like or what your background is. Some people, when they find out that I'm a pastor, <laughs> it throws them off a little bit. You? Yeah. You don't look like a pastor. How's a pastor supposed to look? <laughs> How? Uh, I don't know. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Paul had not come to Corinth to make disciples for himself. He'd come to preach the gospel. For those who desire worldly wisdom, the cross seems stupid. It seems foolish. Why? Because they can't comprehend it. You're trying to break it down into your understanding. Into my understanding. There's times, I, I can't even tell you, family, how many times where I've sat down, tried to figure something out, and it doesn't make sense to me. But is it supposed to? When God's in control... It's perfect. It's going to throw you off. We're trying to figure it out from our, our worldly little human mind here, and that's not the way he operates. To the world, a crucified king seems very stupid. How can you have a king that's crucified? What? How are you supposed to conquer anything that way? Once again, they were looking for for what? A king that was a Messiah that was going to be physical, that was going to rule. Iron scepter. That's not what he was here to do. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The gospel message it's more than a true story or a good way to live. It's the very power of God and who He is and what He's done. It's powerful. Well, how powerful? I don't know each and every one of your guys' backgrounds, but I'll tell you one thing, and anytime I've mentioned this, God uses all of us, and how many of you can say, Amen, He's used me. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Paul summarized here Isaiah 29, 14 to emphasize a point that Jesus made often. God's way of thinking is not like ours. It's not like ours. We try to place him in a box. If he's an all-powerful God, how do we put him in this little box? He's bigger than that. 
He's so big, I can't even explain some of the stuff in the Bible at times. That's how big of a God he is. Isaiah 29, 14 says, Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. People can spend a lifetime gaining all this knowledge, getting smart, doing all this stuff, studying the Bible, all this stuff, and there's studying the Bible, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. They can spend a lot of time, and I've seen people, they, there's even professors in college that may know the Bible better than you and I. And they have all this knowledge, but they can never learn to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and what that really means. And that's sad. We got to be praying for those people. Be praying for them. Throughout the years, people have come in here, in and out of this church, and they've talked and they've had a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom. That's, that's cool. But where's your love, where's your humility towards your brothers and sisters in Christ as well? Do you have that? Because to me, that speaks more than any knowledge you could attain. Verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? God's made them all foolish through his wisdom. He destroyed the wisdom of the wise just as he said he would. The, the point is plain and clear right here. There is no wise man, no scribe, and no debater that can do what Jesus Christ did. Died on the cross and rose from the grave. None. You can sit there, debate. You can make me look stupid, foolish, whatever you want to do. That's okay, but the God I serve isn't. And, and he's proved it. I mean, like I said, you can talk circles around me. You can know more in the scripture than me. Praise the Lord. Awesome for you. You want a gold star? What do you want? You know? <laughs> but can you do what my God did? Answer is no. Done. Okay. I don't need to defend myself. He's my defender. For since the wisdom of God... The world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through its foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. God decided that people would never find him through human wisdom. They, they wouldn't. Because what is our human wisdom? What has it really accomplished? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's made big strides. It has. But there's still flaws in it. Still flaws in it. Instead, he chose a crucified Savior and a message of salvation preached by weak and imperfect humans to save all who believe. Once again, so none of us could boast on ourselves. I'm just like you. I've made mistakes just like you. And God loves me. How much more does he love you? And that's what we tell people, whoever we come across. Because they may look at you like you're somebody, what, you're dumb, you don't know what you're talking about. I may be dumb, 
But you know what? I, I have a God who loves me, and he loves you as well. And, and that's what we can tell them. You know, it used to get me upset when people would, would look at me and judge me in that way or think I didn't know anything or, or put me down or think I was just there to, to rob something out of a store because of the way I looked. And it would bug me when security would follow me. As I've gotten older, I'm just like, that's, that's the wisdom of man, though, right? They're just going off of instinct and what they know. But if they truly knew my heart, boy, they'd be shocked. <laughs> Sometimes God gives me the opportunity to share with them, other times not. But through my actions, once again, how, how am I going to minister to them, right? Am I going to turn around and get upset? What are you looking at? Why are you following me? No. I'll just go do my shopping, come to the register, and they're like, wow, he has money. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I could pay for my own stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to steal or rob, okay? Once again, the Lord did this to take us out of the equation. It has everything to do with him and nothing to do with us. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 10, the second part of verse 10 there, it says, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to him. That's where it's at. It's not in us. Verse 22. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. To the Jews, Christ crucified, like I said, was a stumbling block. How can, your, how can your Messiah, how can your coming king be crucified? What type of king is that? Crucified, put to death. That doesn't speak of power. He was defeated. Why? Because they were looking for a military leader to deliver them from the oppression of Rome. They were so focused from that mindset that they couldn't see it from any other way. Instead of that, the gospel offered them a Savior nailed to the cross. But once again, family, nailed, crucified, alive though, risen, resurrected. I'm sorry, but I think that's greater than anything that your brain could have thought of. To the Greeks, Christ crucified was foolishness. They could not understand how one who died in such a, a weak way and, and failure could ever solve their problems. Once again, looking at it from one mindset. And a lot of times when we read the Bible, we're looking at it from a Western mindset, Western civilization here. Let's look back at their times and how things were back then. Then it starts to make a little bit more sense. Many people, both Jews and Greeks, will not stumble uh, over the message, but we'll find that the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified is powerful. It is life-changing. Our society worships power, influence, and wealth. 
This is what they're told. This is what these kids are told. This is what it's about. Power. Influence. You know how many people are on social media now? Influencers? That word right there? I'm an influencer. What are you influencing in? What are you telling them? About parenting. But you have one kid and, you've only, and he's only one years old and you're an influencer. Talk to someone who's done it for a while. You know, when, when we had our first child, Chloe, we, we had this um, nurse come in. She had to be in her early 70s. And this lady, without any technology, anything strapped to her, comes in and she's just feeling, all by touch and listening. And she goes, healthy baby girl. And I was, that just amazed me. Because like I said, everything now is all, you've got to use electronics, you've got to use blah, blah, all this stuff. And what happens when that fails? Do you know what to check for after that? A lot of them don't. And please, I'm not putting you down if that's your profession, if that's what you use, okay? But what, what was sad to me was that this lady says, yeah, I'll be retiring here in uh, about a month or two. They're forcing everyone out of the medical field who does not have a degree. They're forcing you into retirement or they're going to fire you. And I'm like, you know how much wisdom this lady has that she can pass down to the younger ones? And yet you're going to just throw her out like she's nothing. That's sad. Because she, she has knowledge, she has this influence where she can use it to help these ones. Nope. It's all about that piece of paper, right? That said you were able to regurgitate stuff really well. Here's your degree. <laughs> Disclaimer, you have a degree. Once again, I'm not putting you down, okay? <laughs> not putting you down by any means. God called you to get that degree, and he's using it for a plan and a purpose. I'm just saying it's sad that most people in this world, that's what they chase. Why? Just because to have it to impress people. It's not what it's about. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. There is neither foolishness or weakness with God. But the apostle was saying in verse 25, what seems to be foolish on God's part in the eyes of men is actually wiser than men at their very best. It's wiser than men at their very best. Also, what seems to be weak on God's part in the eyes of men turns out to be stronger than anything man can produce. So once again, family, don't look at what other people are doing. Don't look at, oh, they're doing this, they're accomplishing that, all this stuff. This is, this is my life. It's just boring. God called you to that life for a reason and a purpose. My last job, I worked shipping and receiving. I did that for 17 years. And most people would look and be like, any person off the street can do your job. Probably. Probably. But I enjoyed it. I was called to do it 
like if I was doing it unto the Lord. It provided for me and my wife. I wasn't embarrassed of it. I was happy doing it. Don't let the enemy mess with your mind. You understand? This is all you've accomplished? This is what you've done? You failed at maybe your own business or now you have to work here? That Nah. <laughs> God took you for a time in the season. You did this. It may not have done well, but he showed you something through it. And now he called you to do something else. Whatever that is, I don't know, but I know that he has you there for a reason and a purpose. And what are we to do in that position? Bless others. Bless others. Preach the gospel. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not mighty, noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Having shown the difference between God's wisdom and what people in this world call wisdom, Paul urged his readers to remember that few of them had any worldly achievements when God called them. Few would have been considered wise in the world's eyes, referring to people who were intellectual or philosophers. Few were powerful or influential when it came to being a politician or a decision maker in the government. Few were wealthy. Matthew, I mean, we look at him, he probably had some, some money, you know, as a tax collector. But using these three terms here, Paul was pointing out that intellectual, uh, political, or social position are not necessary qualifications for being called to the Lord. If we look at the disciples, we see that the earliest disciples, five were fishermen, one was a tax collector, and the careers of the others were unknown. But what's God pointing out here? He uses common people just like you and I. Just common people. And even when you think you're not qualified like Moses, Lord, forgive me, I, I stutter, right? God says, perfect. You're exactly the man I want. But I don't speak well. How am I supposed to set them free? I'm with you. But if you want help, I'll send your brother to come alongside you. Even when we try to discredit ourselves, you, you understand? God still looks at us and knows that we're capable and able. Pastor Gary says this a lot of times. Pastor Chuck Smith used to say this quite often. Those whom God calls, he equips. Doesn't matter. He will equip you. He will help you. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God's call and choice did not go out to the high and mighty. Instead, he chose what was foolish in the world to shame the wise, what was weak in the world to shame the strong. God does not choose people as people choose. He looks at the heart. Isn't that what he looked at when he called David? 
scrawny little freckled red-headed guy, right? Kid, that's who he called. He didn't call the big, the strong, the mighty. His sovereign choice is not based on anything that people can do or achieve. No amount of human knowledge or influence can replace or bypass God's work on the cross. It can't. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 through 24 says, This is what the Lord says. Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. What do we boast in? I boast in knowing my God. I boast in him saving me and what he's done for me. And you do the same. Any gift that you have, we give him glory, honor, and praise. Verse 28 And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God chose the foolish weak things, the despised things of this world, so that those chosen could never boast and say, look at what I've done. Look at what I've, look at what I've accomplished. Nebuchadnezzar did that. What happened to him? Wasn't he in the, uh, the field with all the animals? Hair growing so long. Hair so thick like it was feathers. Just filthy. Be careful. This choosing of ordinary people was a major theme of the Old Testament. God used Moses, Deborah, Gideon, and many other people that were humble to show the success. Success comes through his power. And he used people like that to demonstrate that. Salvation is totally from God through Jesus' death. No one could do anything to earn salvation. People only need to accept what Jesus has already done for them. What did God already do for us? That's what we focus on. There's this uh, rapper that me and a few guys brought out some years back, probably about 13 years ago, out. He had come to this church. He had did a concert. But I remember talking with him one time and just so profound in what he said. And I'll never, ever forget this. Always stick with me. Because he said, he said this, God takes nothing, okay? God takes nothing, and he makes something out of nothing. I mean, that's how he created the whole world and everything in it, out of nothing. God takes nothing, and he makes something out of nothing. So until we become nothing, God can do nothing with us. Wow, that's deep. Because we live in a society that tells us, it's all about you and what you have and what you've done, your accomplishments, all this stuff. And God says, I can't do nothing with that because you're so stuck on yourself. I need you to humble yourself. 
I want to bless others through you. But how can I do that when it's all about you? When it's really all about me? I mean, let's be honest. The gospel message, going back to this, the most powerful thing, we serve a risen Savior. He's not dead. That's more powerful than anything we could ever accomplish. We could ever accomplish. Verse 30. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. God is the source of our existence and the reason for our personal and living relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all because of him. Not because of anything good, like I said, or what we've accomplished or how great we speak. It's crazy how that matters to people. Oh, you're a great speaker. So much so that years back, we even put someone like that in the White House. Right? Let's be honest. It was that and because of the color of his skin. It wasn't based on qualifications. It wasn't based on experience. They're a great speaker. They deserve to be there. Okay. Our unity or identification with Christ results in having God's wisdom and knowledge possessing right standing with God, righteousness, being made holy, sanctification, and having the penalty of their sins paid for by Jesus himself. Redemption has been given to us that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Because salvation is completely of God's grace, any boasting before God is really nonsense. Like I said, if we're going to boast, we boast in Christ and Christ alone. Yeah, I may be dumb, but you know what? I have a powerful, awesome Father who saved me, who went to the cross for me because he loved me, and I'm born again. You can say whatever you want to say, but I know where I'm going. Do you? Right? That's my question to those people. I may be dumb, but do you know where you're going? Because I know where I'm going. And if not, I hope and pray that one day before he returns, you get it right. Once again, I'm not going to sit back and say, well, you know what? You're the one stupid because you haven't received Christ. No, no, no. Don't get into this arguing match with them. Once again, right? God's our defender. We don't need to stoop to that level. You can put me down, and in the end, I'll just say, you know what? I hope you get it right before his return. I'll be praying for you. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you, and we thank you for being such an awesome Father to us, Lord, full of love, grace, and mercy. We're thankful that you've called your son Jesus to go to the cross in our place, and Lord, that we can be called sons and daughters. I pray and just want to thank you for all the awesome things that you've done in our lives, the things that you continue to do. Lord, I pray this morning and just ask that if anyone is wondering, what's their gift? What gift have you blessed them with, Lord? 
I pray and ask that you would show them this morning. Lord, we see that all gifts are important. They come from you and they're for building and edifying the body of Christ. And I pray and just ask that you would help us to to operate like that here at Calvary Chapel East. That you would help us to build up and encourage one another in your word. Lord, anyone that does not know you, I, I pray and just ask that, Father, that they would stop playing games, that they would give their life to you. Lord, just because we're saved, there's a lot of things sometimes that we can't explain in the Bible. But Lord, we know that you are real. We know that you sent your son to die in our place. Through faith, we believe and trust in you. Lord, I I pray and just ask that you would help them to place their faith in you today for salvation. Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them, that they would know that you are real, that you love them, you care for them. Lord, I pray and just ask that you would just be with all of us, Lord, today as we go home, prepare our hearts and our minds for another work week, Lord, as we get ready to get started here. Lord, but help us, like I said, to never forget of your great love and that we do serve and worship a God who is living. He's not dead. Father, I just want to lift up anyone here this morning that is not feeling well. I know that there's some people at home watching online. Lord, you know what the sickness is. You know the struggles. Lord, I pray and just ask that you would just touch them right now and heal them with your hand. Lord, you are the great physician and you control all things. So, Lord, whatever sickness is going on, Lord, from a headache all the way to cancer, Lord, I pray and just ask that you would just be with those people, Lord, that you would touch them, that they would not feel any pain, discomfort, but that you would heal them, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to gather this morning to open up our Bibles, to study your word, and we ask that you would be with us now as we go home, Lord, for your hand of protection upon us. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.